Please stand by. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the BMC Connect with the True Site Capacity Optimization, Managing the AIX Power Environment. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time for opening remarks, I'd like to turn things over to Mr. Steve Johnson. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Kellyanne. Uh, welcome, everybody, to this uh, first in the fourth series of the um, BMC Capacity Optimization uh, Technical Webinar Series. Um, today, we will present the um, session in three sections. There'll be a short introduction to the, the new brand naming conventions. Uh, then there'll be a presentation, uh, followed by a, a, a brief uh, summary at the end of the day uh, with respect to BMC's new uh, assisted migration program that people can avail themselves of. Uh, there will be no uh, voice or you know, questions taken out, all questions and answers will be dealt with via the Q&A window, which can be found on the right-hand side of the, uh, the presentation deck that we're viewing today. So uh, please do use that if you have any questions as the session commences. So without any further ado, I will hand over for the first part of this session to uh, Archana Mahajan, who's uh, our product manager or one of the product managers for the Crusite Capacity Optimization product suite. Um, Archana, over to you. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Uh, so again, my name is Archana Mahajan, and I'm product manager for TrueSight Capacity Management Software. With that, uh, I would like to present today's agenda. Our agenda has introduction to new product naming, AIX and PowerVM architecture, analyzing capacity, collecting data, update on Amigo for true site capacity optimization and references. So with that, I, I think by now you might have heard about true site. So true site is basically represents BMC's operation management and capacity management product portfolio. And that's not uh, only what that represents this particular brand will represents common look and feel for both the products, operations management and capacity management, modern UI, as well as common administration and configuration. I have a link for the website where you can find update about TrueSight, uh, uh, detailed information about TrueSight. Uh, here's the link, www.bmc.com and you can find more information about TrueSight Band. TrueSight solution includes, as I mentioned, operations management and capacity management. So if you're familiar with the operation management product portfolio, there's a list of products that fall in the TrueSight operations management. So all these uh, uh, products will be represented as TrueSight operations management. On the capacity optimization side, TrueSight represents capacity optimizer for servers, uh, capacity optimize, uh, optimizer for networks, TrueSight capacity optimizer for storage, and optimizer for mainframes. So if you need, as I mentioned, if you need any information, please go to bmc.com and you will find more information about TrueSight. So with that, I will give uh, control uh, to Sudhir. Sudhir, yes, I'll make you presenter. Okay. 
Great, thank you. Uh, this is Sudhir Apte, and I'll be talking through the next uh, couple of sections. The first section is on AIX and Power VM architecture itself. The Power VM uh, hypervisor runs on, uh, of course, IBM Power Hardware. Uh, two examples are on this slide. And it's also important to know that there is another component in the data center, which is on the left-hand side, the HMC, the hardware management console. And that runs on a separate machine, and it's capable of managing many of these power frames. The other uh, key feature about Power VM from the point of view of capacity management is that um, the micro-partitioning scheme uses shared processor pools. Uh, as most of you probably are already aware, uh, the shared processor pool architecture allows micro-partitions to share CPUs, while on the left-hand side you see dedicated processors uh, devoted to uh, DLPARs. So uh, the idea is that for processing boundaries, uh, meaning how much capacity a partition can use, uh, for dedicated processor LPARs, uh, the boundary is set in advance by the administrator. So in this case, two CPUs seem to be assigned to each of two dedicated partitions. Meanwhile, on the very left-hand side, there are additional CPUs that have not been activated on the system. And those can also be activated later if needed so that you can pay as you go. And meanwhile, there's a shared processor pool of six CPUs on the right-hand side in which there are two uh, micro-partitions or shared processor partitions. Uh, that have been enabled. Uh, the left-hand side one is the capped one, which means the entitlement that the administrator assigned in the beginning will be used to limit the uh, processing that this micropartition can use, while the right-hand one is uncapped, which means that if the workload running inside this partition requires additional CPU, it can exceed the entitlement that has been configured by the administrator. On the previous slide when I talked about the hardware management console, that console is the means by which an administrator can configure all the partitions and shared processor pools on every frame that's managed by the HMC. So this, as you can see, makes for a uh, complex uh, capacity uh, configuration for any given frame. On the right-hand side picture, uh, we show these concepts in a little more detail. Uh, we don't have to go into these uh, in this slide, but I'll quickly note that the entitled capacity for a micropartition uh, is the EC uh, label. And so you can see on the left-hand side, there's a set of micropartitions with, with entitled capacities assigned by the administrator. While on the right-hand side, there are additional micropartitions and an additional dedicated uh, partition. So uh, it's also possible to take um, shared processor pools and make multiple shared processor pools within the same frame. And as and when uh, demand increases for CPU, uh, the LPARs uh, for in one of those shared processor pools can expand to use processing from other shared processor pools also. Uh, 
all of these shared processor pools are uh, derived from the same physical shared processor pool set down below. Uh, that's the hardware. And the power hypervisor is managing all of this automatically at runtime. Another key feature uh, of the power architecture is uh, the I.O. virtualization that's possible by creating special partitions that are not running workloads or business workloads, but instead uh, they are part of the virtualization capabilities offered by power. The idea is that the hypervisor mediates between this special partition called the VIO server, the virtual IO server on the left, uh, which manages all the physical hardware in terms of storage and networking, and creates virtual Ethernet adapters and virtual SCSI adapters that are then shared by the hypervisor internally to all the client LPARs that are using this, this virtual I.O. So that all the virtual I.O. clients are doing I.O. that they think is being um, sent directly to the hardware, but in fact, uh, they're using these virtual adapters. So this level of virtualization allows you to quickly spin up and shut down uh, new partitions without having to reconfigure the hardware. All of this wiring is set up uh, in software, and again, this is also managed through the HMC. This is a slide that some of you may have seen before, uh, because Debbie Sheets presented this at the CMG. Uh, it's a useful way to look at all the layers of virtualization that are present inside a Power VM frame. So we call the Power VM frame a host. That's layer five. And then below that, there are these physical pools. That is the, the shared processor pool. And that shared processor pool is used by the micropartitions or SPL powers on the right-hand side, or the dedicated LPARs directly use the resources of the Power VM host. So those two LPARs are at layer three. The OS, uh, which is in our case AIX, and the most commonly used OS, uh, would be layer two. And then finally the applications that are running in the OS at the very bottom at layer one. So all of these layers of virtualization, the way they are connected to each other, is very important to know in order to manage capacity. And this uh, true-side capacity optimization lets you do. So in the next section, we'll talk more about the true-side features that let you manage AIX Power VM. Uh, we foresee this webinar as being in two parts. What you'll be seeing today is only part one. Uh, in this webinar, we will show you the data analysis features, the views and workspace, and how they are used for AIX Power VM, the data collection options you have for AIX Power VM, the CPU memory capacity, how to manage that at the host level and at the LPAR levels, uh, some SPL power concepts, like these capped, uncapped, and the feature called virtual processor folding, and then DLPARs. Uh, which also have a feature that's relevant, which is shared dedicated donate mode. So there are other features that we would have liked to cover in this webinar. Uh, that will move on to the next part two at some future date. Uh, we'll cover more data analysis features and more advanced AIX and power features.
we'll also hopefully be able to go through some more detailed use cases. So at the high level, two-site capacity optimization offers you three levels of analysis capabilities. Uh, on the left-hand side is the out-of-the-box AIX Power VM views. These are easy-to-use pre-created views. They're based on automated analysis that uh, two-site capacity optimization performs in the background. And so the good part is that the user does not have to do this analysis manually. Um, necessarily, this analysis would have to make some assumptions. And based on those assumptions, uh, it produces these simple views that are easy to uh, consume. So you can understand the capacity available and used and so forth. It also allows you navigation from the host level to the pool level and partition level uh, by what looks like HTML links. Uh, there are the most important views out of these are the host and partition views. But there are also other views that are useful, and we'll talk about some of them. Um, the more advanced uh, way of analyzing any data in true-site capacity optimization is by using the workspace. The workspace can be used for any platform whose data is being collected. You can see the entity hierarchy, which I will show you an example of, where you can see which frames contain which LPARs and so forth. You can also see the history of the hierarchy. And then you can view the metrics as they are being collected. Now, there are two sources for metrics about AIX Power VM. The HMC itself allows you to create um, or extract metrics, performance metrics, as well as configuration metrics. And then the AIX OS, uh, which can run agents, and you can extract data from those. In the workspace, you can create analyses, models, and reports. Uh, examples of stack charts, correlations, and time forecasting models. So all of the workspace features and this out-of-the-box view, uh, they are available for any data source. Of course, the views require certain metrics to be present. And any data source that produces that uh, is usable. Uh, we, we strongly recommend the capacity agents, because they collect all the data required for the views. And they also collect a lot more detail on metrics that you can use in the workspace. Finally, uh, the BPA console itself, where you manage the agents, and you can actually view and process the data before it has been populated into the two-site capacity optimization database. Here you can do even more advanced things like viewing process-level data, building workloads, looking at the metrics, the raw UDR metrics, as collected from the capacity agent. And you can also view recently collected, that is near real-time data, directly from the agents. Of course, these features are available only with the capacity agents. So from left to right, it becomes more manual and you could say more advanced use cases. So the Power VM views, these are the ones that, at a high level, in the what we call the AIX virtual farm, contains two views, a Power VM view and a W Power view. The Power VM view has the most important pages that you will see now. We are looking at the host page, where you can see one row per host. And already you can see that some of the um, hosts have HMC data as well as AIX extracted data, and some don't. You can see that from the last column that says HMC access. 
we will go in an in the next section through the options for collecting data where we can talk a little more in detail about how to extract HMC data. But it's highly recommended to extract both HMC data as well as agent data from the AIX partitions. Uh, the, the main capacity management resources for AIX Power VM are CPU and memory. And you can see the way this uh, view has been created. You have options for using just yesterday's data, the last seven days data, or the last 30 days of data. And what you see here are summarized numbers. And then within, uh, when you're talking about CPUs, there are different columns for different kinds of metrics on CPU. The idea is that the physical cores are equal to the unassigned ones plus the ones configured for partitions. You can see all of these. Similarly, for memory, there are multiple columns. The total memory equals the unassigned memory plus the firmware memory used by the hypervisor plus all the memory configured for partitions. And I'll show you a pictorial view of this next. So these are conceptual relationships of these quantities at the frame level. Uh, so when you're talking about capacity for CPU, the physical cores consist of the unassigned ones that are not assigned to any partition, and the configured cores that are, that are available between all the partitions. Um, below that, where available, we have listed the actual name of the metric that is imported in true site capacity optimization. This is typically a configuration metric. Within the ones that are configured for the partitions, um, some of them are what we call allocated cores. Those are the ones that at runtime, the hypervisor is actually allocated to partitions or assigned to partitions. And the rest of it we are referring to as unallocated cores. This data is available from the HMC and of course also if you collect data from inside all the partitions, you have the same data available. Similarly, when you're talking about memory, the total memory is the physical frame memory, which is available as a metric. And that consists of three parts. At the bottom is the firmware memory, that is the overhead that's needed for the hypervisor that's not available for business workloads. The configured memory, similar to the configured cores, this is the stuff that partitions can use. And then unassigned memory that has not been assigned to any partitions yet. This is under administrator control. All the configured memory, uh, in practice, since you may not have collected data from all the LPARs by installing agents on them, uh, we can tell you how much memory has been configured for those partitions where agents are running and for the ones that haven't. What I showed you previously was the allocated capacity view, and that's what we've been talking about so far. But when you go into the AIX uh, operating system and extract data from there, you can see the used capacity as well. So there is, uh, for cores, that is CPUs, the physical equals the unused portion plus the absolute value of the CPU utilization. So just to give you an example, the first uh, row, you can see 91% CPU utilization. That stands for the 31 physical cores that are not used. And then when you talk about memory, the memory utilization we show includes the file system cache. Uh, I will explain what that means in a second. 
there's another tab, which is the Power VM Partitions tab. Here you see LPARs of all kinds. Um, and here you can see in the second to last column uh, an indication of whether the LPAR has been instrumented or not, which means whether it's running an agent or not. In this case, all of them are running agents. On top, you can filter the partitions that you can see uh, to go to a particular host and see the partitions in that host. So there are two filters you can see. For CPU, there's entitlement use percent and utilization percent. So the entitlement, as I said, for uncapped partition uh, would not be the upper limit of what the partition can use. So the entitled percent can be more than 100%. Whereas the CPU utilization percent is based on the actual uh, virtual processors that are allocated to that partition. Uh, we'll explain in more detail how that works. On the memory side, there are columns separate for memory utilization percentage versus real memory utilization percentage. Real memory utilization percent is what you can see from inside AIX when you take away the the idle um, memory. Let me, that, that, we'll come to that as well in a minute. So uh, the HMC-only data for an LPAR, HMC data is needed for frame-level configuration and pool-level configuration and statistics. This is because, in general, from inside an LPAR, you cannot see um, information about the frame and the pool. Um, collecting HMC data allows you to avoid instrumenting all the partitions, because then every time you put up a partition, you have to put an agent in it. But that is the way to get the most precise data about all the partitions. However, you can get the hierarchy of the frame and the pools and the SPL pars and the ADL pars by collecting data from HMC. This is an example of um, whether this particular LPAR is instrumented or not. Here it's false, which means that there's no agent running on this LPAR, which means all the data we have about this LPAR comes from the HMC. Another tab in the view is the map view, which allows you to see at a high level uh, for memory in this case, and also for CPU, depending on the chart type that you pull down, which LPARs are using how much memory as a percentage. So you can see that as they, the, the more red ones are using a high amount. These are for multiple frames, so you can see at a glance which frames are heavily using memory. The gray ones are where we don't have memory utilization information. The views can be modified somewhat. So there are certain options, very simple ones, under the Settings tab. Uh, most of these are pretty um, self-explanatory because they're talking about thresholds. Um, there's one particular option that may be worth talking about, which is the Power VM show only entities collect, collected by HMC, uh, whose value here is false, which is really talking about which columns to suppress uh, when you are looking at some of the other views. So it's possible to say that um, since I don't have uh, any of my LPAs instrumented, I'm collecting data only from HMC, 
therefore, there are certain columns that uh, true site capacity optimization will simply hide since we, we won't have any data on those things. When you go to the workspace, you can see much more detail about the data that has been imported and also about the hierarchy that you see on the left-hand side. Uh, in the next section, we'll talk about how the data is actually collected. But once the data has been collected, it comes into this workspace. And you can see that there is a hierarchy where you see the frame, which is the highest level system. And underneath that, you have, uh, you have pools. And in each pool, you have the SPL powers. On the right-hand side, you see the parent and children hierarchies, just as you do for any type of entity in true site capacity optimization. There are certain types of entities in true site capacity optimization that correspond to the host, which is um, power VM host, and then the different kinds of LPAR and the pools. And the relationships between these are also imported and created when data is extracted from the data source. So you can see the relation of a pool containing, um, or a pool is being contained in a virtual host. Uh, a VM or an LPAR is contained in a virtual host. Those two types of relationships on the right-hand side. Similarly, you can select a pool on the left. And that brings up a corresponding page for the pool in which you can see the parent of the pool, which is the virtual host uh, that contains the pool. In other words, the Power VM frame. And you can see the children of this pool, where you can see which SPL powers are contained in the pool. Uh, you can click directly on the names of these entities on the right-hand side, and that brings you to the corresponding place in the hierarchy on the left. And then if you open the metrics tab on the right-hand side, you can see all the configuration metrics, which you can see here. And you can scroll down to see performance metrics as well. As you can see, the HMC-derived metrics are also uh, present. And any metrics extracted from inside the LPAR are also present. So an example is the CPU NC and CPU NC underscore HMC. These are the entire capacity for a system as derived from an agent running inside the OS versus the HMC reported entire capacity for the system. And their values are the same. That's a good sign. In the views that we saw earlier, uh, these are some of the assumptions that the views have to make, which is they give precedence to the HMC or CPU metrics. And for all other metrics, they give precedence to the OS agent derived metrics. In this way, they simplify the view that you have. But in the workspace, you can see every single metric that has been extracted. There are useful analysis templates, uh, some of them specially prepared for AIX Power VM, where you can do detailed analysis at the frame level, for example. So here on the left-hand side, you see host CPU capacity. You can see the physical cores, the unassigned cores, and the cores allocated. The cores allocated is the value that is visible uh, from the HMC as well. And then on the right-hand side, you see the host memory configured, which is the unassigned memory, 
the memory configured for partitions, and the firmware memory. At the bottom is the conceptual picture we showed before, so you can map these concepts. Typically, when you're doing an analysis of the application running within an SPL path, then you would look at a calendar chart to see the behavior of the, uh, let's say, in this particular case, CPU entirely consumption, uh, to see how much the demand has been changing over time. So this is how you can look at behavior of the workload, analyzing periodicity over weeks and months, so that you can zoom in on the area where you think there's likely to be a bottleneck, or where you would prefer to look at it in more detail to understand the, the maximum capacity used. Another commonly used analysis is trying to optimize CPU resources. Um, idle and wait CPU time for a CPU uh, is effectively um, time when the workload, the business workload, is not using CPU. And this view allows you to see all of those. That is waiting for I.O., idle mode, and then the system and user mode, which are the useful parts of the work. So you can use this chart to optimize CPU resources. In this instance, it looks like the idle and wait CPU are well within a small limit. But this is another example where we are looking at cached and real memory utilization. So uh, the memory utilization numbers that we get from inside the OS are in three parts. Uh, there is the kernel memory, which is here called the system mode memory. Uh, there is the process memory, which is called here the user mode memory. And in addition, there is the cache memory utilization, which is the uh, memory used for the file system cache by AIX. Now, AIX, like most uh, Unixes, chooses to not free up memory, but instead use it, uh, any memory that's not being used for useful work, uh, to save and use as file system cache. So that's the blue area. And effectively, it's not being used for work. Or you could say it's wasted. Because the same memory, if it was freed up, it could be used by other LPARs, perhaps. So for example, if you look at this kind of situation, it's very different from how we saw with the CPU, where the idle and wait uh, CPU was very little. But here, the cache memory is consistently very large. In fact, about 60% of it is this cache memory. Uh, so um, true size capacity optimization also provides another metric, which is a derived metric, which you can see on the right-hand side, the real memory utilization, which is the sum of the kernel and process memory. So as you can guess, it's about 40%. And assuming you've analyzed this over a long period and you're seeing that it never goes above this level, then certainly you should consider reducing the memory configured to this L power. Now, on analyzing virtual processors that are configured in an SPL power. So on the left-hand side, you can see a cap partition where the uh, entire capacity for the system is two, which means there are two cores uh, of CPU entitled. Whereas at the bottom, you can see that the active virtual processors 
um, assigned to this partition is also two, which means in no case can this partition actually use uh, more than two uh, cores of CPU. Uh, in addition, it is being capped, of course. So the entire capacity is the same as the number of virtual processors. On the right-hand side, we see a different partition, an uncapped one, where we've allocated two virtual processors, even though the entitled capacity is only 0.5 of a core. So what that means is that if this workload running in the uncapped partition requires more CPU, it will exceed the entitled capacity, provided there is more uh, room available or CPU resource available in the shared processor pool. And it can go all the way up to two cores. It also means that from the AIX uh, operating system point of view, it will see two processors, uh, which means that a multi-threaded application could use the two uh, efficiently. So we can make some general guidelines about these uncapped versus capped and about how to assign virtual processors. For capped partitions, since they're not permitted to use any more CPU than their entitled capacity, you should cap them when the application software has strict licensing restrictions and you want to save money, or the application is non-critical and you don't want it to take resources from other LPARs in its pool. So that makes sense. On the uncapped partition, the idea is that it can use CPU up to the total number of virtual processors, provided, of course, the CPU is available in the shared processor pool. And you should allocate more virtual processors when applications can use them efficiently, as we said earlier, if it's a multi-threaded application, for example. And if the application is subject to occasional bursts of activity and should be allowed to exceed the entitlement. So this is a, a good way to manage uh, CPU uh, particularly if you have workloads that peak at different times. So you could profitably put them in the same shared processor pool so that they use the CPU as and when they need it. At the bottom you see an example of the uncapped partition whose entitled capacity is less than the virtual processors. And so here's an example where you can see the entitled utilization is large. It's larger than the utilization with respect to the virtual processors. So the red line is the CPU utilization, which uses the virtual processors as the denominator, whereas the entitlement utilization uses the entitlement as the denominator. Uh, it could exceed 100%, though we don't see that in this particular example. Another place to borrow and move around CPU is when you can put a dedicated LPAR in shared dedicated mode. So as you'll recall, a dedicated LPAR is not part of a shared processor pool, and its, uh, its CPUs will be used only by the dedicated LPAR. But uh, if the dedicated LPAR is not using all of its CPU on a regular basis, it makes sense to improve utilization by harvesting any unused processing power from the LPAR and using it in a shared pool. So you can configure it that way. And if you do, then uh, true site capacity optimization in the views will draw this chart called the donated CPU busy ILO. This chart will display if the shared dedicated settings on for the DL power. And when you're analyzing the DL power, if DL power donates cycles to the pool, then this chart will display the number of 
scores that are donated. So you will be able to see whether the DLPAR is donating CPU cycles periodically to the pool. If you find that the DLPAR is never donating, uh, as in this case, or if the DLPAR is consistently donating the same amount, then that's a signal that either your shared processor pool is, uh, has too few CPUs and you could maybe reconfigure it, or uh, also that the DLPAR is not using all the CPU that has been allocated. But if you don't do that, then the hypervisor can do it for you in this shared dedicated mode. Processor folding is a technique that the hypervisor uh, takes in the case of uh, virtual processors that have been allocated to a partition. So if a partition is not using all the virtual processors or if any, uh, if an um, integer number of virtual processors are being unused, then the hypervisor can actually reduce the number of active virtual processors. And, and this is more efficient than simply leaving them idle because it still costs to do context switches. So uh, this particular chart, active virtual processors hourly, this chart lets you see whether these number of active virtual processors is changing or not and lets you decide whether to scale up or down the allocated virtual processors. Sometimes you find that although you need a lot of CPU for a business workload, uh, you find that this it was not as multi-threaded as you thought it was. So in fact, the work is not able to use all the CPUs. This is uh, often the case where you find entire virtual processors uh, not used. And so then in this case, uh, they will be automatically folded. So now we move on to a little more in detail about how the data is collected. For collecting AIX Power VM data, um, there are different data sources that are possible. The most important and the recommended source is the first row, the BPA viz files created by processing UDR data from capacity agents. The connector to use here is the BPA viz files parser, and the metrics collected are the full metric collection, including HMC and AIXOS LPARs. As we said before, you do have the choice of collecting or not collecting from inside the partition. Um, but that will mean that you will get fewer metrics from inside the partition. Uh, the analysis capabilities you have available are the full suite. Uh, you get the fully populated out-of-the-box Power VM view. You get the full ability to do analysis, including all supported AIX and Power VM features. You, plus, you can create BPA workloads. And you can do additional process-level analysis, and you can build queuing models and predict. These are all possible in the BPA console. So that's the data source uh, BPA viz files. There's another data source that's possible. If you already have two-site operations management, also known as ProactiveNet, uh, you can enable the database and populate that from the agents uh, that come for monitoring. Um, and the connector to be used for that is the two-site operations management uh, called the ProactiveNet database extractor. This collects a subset of metrics, but it does include the HMC, NAI, XOS, LPAR metrics. The analysis capabilities you get with this are slightly lower. You get the partially populated out-of-the-box Power VM view with most of the important metrics populated. And you can do the analysis in the workspace 
basic AI action Power VM features. Similarly, you could have third-party sources for data, uh, which would require custom connectors, and the metric coverage, of course, will depend on the availability and the connector capability. Uh, similarly, the analysis capabilities, too. You can probably not expect the out-of-the-box Power VM views to be populated completely, but whatever metrics you do get, you can analyze them in the workspace. So we'll talk about each of these cases. In terms of the virtualization layers we talked about before, you get data coverage for different data sources. From the HMC itself, if you are able to extract data, then you get data about the Power VM host, you get data about the Power VM physical pools, and some data on the LPARs. By installing capacity agents on the LPARs, you can get application-level information because you can get process data and create workloads from it. You can, of course, get operating system data at the system level. And you can get data about the configuration of the LPAR. Plus, the agents are also the way to extract HMC data, which I will explain in a minute. The same goes for the true-side operations manager agents or the proactive net agents. You get the level two, level three, and some level four. The data flow for the capacity agent-based collection. On the top, you see the AIXL path running the capacity agent. This data is transferred to the BPA console machine, which is also called the BPA application server machine, from which the WIS file is transferred by the ETL engine server as part of the configuration of the WIS files parser, from where the ETL loads the data into the database server for true site capacity optimization. And here it becomes available for the analysis and workspace and the views that are all uh, accessible through the application server. To configure the capacity agents for HMC collection, you need to install the agent on at least one partition in each frame. You have to configure the agent for HMC access. Um, the access is usually done through SSH, and you usually need to generate an encryption key pair for that. You configure the HMC to enable remote command execution. Uh, you have to create a user with viewer privileges if it doesn't already exist, and copy the public key. So this is what you need to do for HMC collection. There are more details available in the product docs, as well as uh, in knowledge articles. And then for, for full collection from the AIX OS, you get to install the agent on each LPAR. And in all cases, you must install the BPA console, which will take the data from these agents and process it. The UDR metric groups that are enabled when you collect HMC data are these six, the physical partition statistics and physical partition configuration, the pool statistics and pool configuration, and the processor pool statistics and processor pool configuration. These are all, um, the, the last four are all having to do with the shared processor pools. There are also convenient scripts that are available when you install the agent, and you can run those 
uh, it logs into the HMC and runs a particular command. Similarly, uh, you can configure the frame stat script on the partition, which enables the physical partition statistics and all the, um, all the metric groups that I mentioned above. It's usually sufficient to use a 900 second frequency unless you need real-time data. So for most capacity planning use cases, we recommend that. And if you are finding difficulty extracting them, then there's also a debugging script. Of course, all of this is described in the documentation as well as knowledge-based articles. You can add a VPA console machine through the two-site capacity optimization UI. In the admin section, you see the general manager. It can manage multiple VPA consoles from a single UI. For each console, you can view the scheduled runs. So these are manager runs. You can have multiple ones of them per BPA console. You can see a pull down with a list of names for this one console here. You can see when the run is scheduled to start and which console it's running on. You can click on the name of a single run and change all its parameters if you need to. So here you can see the script file and so forth are populated by default. Um, those are under the general um, tab. And in the analyze tab, you can set the data source for analyze. Yeah, you can, by default, it collects new data everywhere, which is what, every day, which is what you want. The analyze time interval and the time zone the output filter also. And this is, um, these are things you do when you've got agents installed on multiple machines referred to as nodes in this UI. You can set up the collection and transfer parameters and other parameters. So collect systems data at 10 seconds interval, summarize data every 15 minutes. Uh, these are all the standard defaults. Uh, things that are uh, worth checking under other parameters is under the visualizer section, do not enable Oracle Populate, which tries to populate data into a separate database, which you don't need just to extract the visualizer files. Uh, under output section, make sure the generate visualizer files checkbox is checked. Uh, disable OSR and enable cut disk. Cut disk is an option for reducing the number of entities in the case where a server has many, many disks attached, uh, it eliminates the disks that are least used to reduce the amount of data. And you can also um, save settings as default for reuse so that when you have these um, configurations already selected, then you can reuse them in multiple manager runs. Once the run, uh, the manager has run, uh, you get logs, and those logs are all visible in this UI. So in this case, you can see the um, starting automatic node discovery and discovery command is running and so forth. In the data flow of the agent, there are these steps. First of all, the collection step, which is done on the managed node, or the LPAR in our case. The transfer step, where after collecting the data is transferred to the BPA console machine. And then the processing step, where the processing programs on the BPA console primarily analyze, run in batch mode and process the data, 
and create the output with files. So these steps are all visible in specially created exception reports, uh, which are also visible in the same UI. So here you can see on a per node basis, the collection status, the transfer status, and the processing status that you saw last. And this is in a raw text format so that you can see uh, from the single console uh, whether you had any problems and where they were. These exceptions are also collected in history so that over multiple days you can have collect, transfer, and processing warnings um, that have been accumulated. So you can see at a glance which nodes you might have issues with so that you can uh, try to rerun the step that was missed and recover the data. The BPA ETL, that is the uh, WIS files parser, is to be configured to get AIX data. So on the platforms, you make sure that AIX power VM slash WPAR is checked. And then um, you can associate the new entities to an existing domain if you've already created a domain or intend to um, in the workspace. That's the case here. Uh, and automatically, an object relationship hierarchy rule is created so that the hierarchy that we showed earlier of the frames, the LPARs, and the pools is automatically extracted and created. Uh, BPA version, um, always use 9x schema unless you have a reason, an older, um, older schema that you want to import for some reason. Uh, extractor mode refers to how you want the WIS file to be transferred. So you can either have the uh, WIS file automatically transferred via the general manager web service, which is the recommended way to do it, where it's pulled over from the BPA console server URL. Or you can have an alternative mechanism where the WIS file is placed somewhere in a shared folder, and the ETL will periodically check that location. The run log of the ETL will tell you whether the steps at the ETL level worked or not. Uh, usually, uh, it, it's quite easy to see if something upstream has changed because of the um, exception reports that we saw earlier. So this part should go very smoothly. So far, we've talked about collecting data through the BPA console uh, the capacity agent data. The second row that we talked about was about AI data collection via TrueSight Operations Manager or ProactiveNet. So the ProactiveNet database can be either Sybase or Oracle. In any case, uh, we have all the versions that are recent um, supported by the connector. The entities imported are the same ones that we saw before. That is Virtual Host AIX Power VM. That stands for the frame. Resource pool, that stands for the shared processor pool. Um, the virtual machine AIX shared processor LPAR is the SPL PARS. Virtual machine AIX LPAR is dedicated LPARS. And the workload partition is WPARS that are not commonly used, and we haven't spoken about that at all in this presentation. These are the same entities that you get in the hierarchy from the BPA collection. You also need compatible versions for the patrol agent and the Unix KM. 
that extracts data from the OS. Uh, for details, please see the documentation. There are certain combinations you need. The Proactive Med Database Extractor is also out of the box. You can use it to point it to the Proactive Net Database. Uh, you can see the connection parameters below. Um, there are multiple platforms that it can collect. Make sure that you select AIX Power VM slash WPAR as the partition, as the platform. The data integration and flow is pretty similar. The AIX LPAR is running a patrol agent. Uh, it goes through the proactive net components, integration server and BPPM server, and finds itself in the BPPM database, from which the extractor ETL that we just showed extracts the data using SQL and loads it into the database server for, for two-site capacity optimization. Some more notes on the two-site operations manager data. Uh, the KM parameter mappings, those are important, but they are predefined. Um, so you would need this only if you needed to debug uh, from the logs. The AIX OS data requires the patrol agent to be collecting data locally on the LPAR. That is, you cannot be remote. Uh, the Unix KM that's in the OS must be configured in DCM mode, not in PSL mode. And HLC data must be monitored using PowerVM.KML. Uh, this allows you to extract the hierarchy the same way that you did for BPA. So that's it. I will hand it over to Steve Johnson. I hope this was helpful. And make Steve the presenter for the next part of the presentation. So Steve, it's all yours. Thank you, Sudhir. Uh, just to reiterate, this is part one of a two-part presentation series, so um, please do join us for the second part, which uh, we anticipate will probably be delivered uh, early in the new year uh, to leave people free over the Christmas period. Um, but this last section is um, just to introduce uh, a program that BMT Customer Support has been launching in recent months across a number of product lines of which uh, Amigo for TrueSight Capacity Optimization was launched at the end of September. And th this is going to be particularly relevant for, for many customers as you know, most of this audience are probably aware there's a new release of the product 10.0 uh, due to GA in the early December timeframe. And the the point of this uh, Amigo or Assisted Migration Operations program is to work with the customer support team up front to help the customer identify any potential pitfalls with their upgrade plans uh, to provide basic guidance for problems during the actual upgrade itself, which is the potential for um, you know, priority one calls to the support team, etc. All of the details of this can be found, or the MIA program can be found on the link shown uh, on this particular slide. Uh, they, you can access the information either through the capacity optimization communities or the BMC knowledge base. The, the link shown will take you to the articles in question. There are further documents which can be linked to explaining how the process works, uh, what the expectations should be. Now, 
this program is not um, BMC writing customers upgrade plans for them. It is not BMC actually running the uh, upgrade process or you know, sitting on an open WebEx whilst the customer runs through that process. You know, it's a proactive process to try and help smooth the upgrade uh, activities and ensure success for customers um, you know, as, as quickly and as smoothly as possible. As I say, with the, the Teno release imminent, uh, this is a program which we hope many customers will take advantage of and um, encourage people to upgrade sooner rather than later to take advantage of all the new features and functions. Um, this information, as I say, will be available by the communities. This session has been recorded. The presentation deck will be um, published as well. So all of this information will be accessible uh, relatively easily after this event. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. The only thing that we really ask for when people uh, ask for Amigo assistance is that you, know, you provide the, the basics, at least with respect of you know, what version are you upgrading from and where you plan to go to. Naturally, we expect people to be upgrading to 10.0, um, but that's not always the case. And you know, the time frame for which you're planning the upgrade. You know, there's, the process itself is a, a, a two-phase process. Uh, there's an introduction uh, review type process. Uh, customer goes away, puts a plan together, then works with the BMC support team again for a secondary review uh, prior to actually proceeding with the upgrade. shown on this particular slide. Uh, and really, that's all I wanted to do today was make people aware that this program is now in existence. Please do take advantage of it. Uh, it has a very good success rate. And you know, it's it's free. It's it's managed by the customer support team through the normal ticketing process. Uh, on that basis, we're pretty much done for today. This last slide is just a, again a a few reference links which people may be interested in. Uh, you've had the introduction today to the BMC TrueSight Capacity Optimization branding. You can find more details through the link shown. Uh, similarly, there's links here to the BMC uh, communities. And for those who may be interested in following up on um, previous webinars, uh, then you can get to those certainly via the link here. There's, there are earlier versions as well available through the community's website. Uh, and similarly for the Amigo program we've just been discussing, you can get to more details through the link shown. And on that basis, um, that pretty much concludes the session for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining. As I say, this session has been recorded. Details of the recording and the presentation deck will be available on the Capacity Optimization um, Communities page uh, within the next uh, probably 48 hours maximum. And uh, I thank you for your participation today. So, Kellyanne, if you could uh, move the panelist team back to a private session, that would be appreciated. Thank you very much. And again, that does conclude this BMC teleconference. Thank you all for joining us.